Welcome to the Serious Leisure Podcast. I'm Petya Petrova. I'm Kat Branch. And I'm Sam Elkington. Sam is from Teesside University. Kat and I work at UE Bristol, where this podcast is produced. This podcast is a place for us to share stories about leisure. We talk about how we balance work and life commitment with leisure time. And we reflect on the profound impact leisure can have on our lives. We draw from, from the serious leisure perspective in our discussions to help us unpack our experiences. So today is a different episode. It's only um, us three here. Uh, we don't have any guests. And we have now recorded multitudes of episodes. I was just looking at our SoundCloud long list. We have released 17 episodes. Uh, there would be one which would be released before you hear this recording. So there will be 18 episodes. That is three seasons that we have enjoyed recording and sharing with you. And we thought it's a really good idea to have a little bit of reflection about this podcast, how we started it, what's changed, what we've learned, what we felt inspired by. So let's start with what has changed for us. Um, now, I hear, Sam, that there are some little changes in your professional life. Yeah, little changes. Uh -huh. Little changes. So uh, as of last week so first week of july uh i was or well, received notification that i've been appointed to professor of learning and teaching Woo! Which is, which is obviously, uh, obviously very very satisfying um and has been a long, has been a long wait <laughs> but you did it the, yeah on the application yeah so feeling very humbled by the whole thing and um just just lovely to to, to get there in the end. Sam and I bumped into each other at the Advanced HE conference earlier in July. And um, Sam told me his news. I think you just heard about it. Yeah, the day before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was texting people. It's like, Sam got professorship, but please don't say anything on Twitter <laughs> because he hasn't actually told anybody. You don't. <laughs> so I was having this, like, I was wanting to share with um, Kat and with Julia. I was very worried somebody would, would, um, Let the cat would out say the something on Twitter. And, and break your news before you've had the opportunity to share. Yeah, it no, with I, I, I felt very uneasy about sharing the news like publicly. So it's like, can I? I sought permission before I could put it out there. So, uh, so yeah, I didn't know what the rules were really. I was just walking around in a bit of a daze for a couple of days, <laughs> just like that. Oh, I can't really. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on this. Do I tell people? But then, so it was in the fine. morning when you brush your teeth, do you look in the mirror? It's like professor. Yeah, Sam. I look I look and feel completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, quite frankly, we are amazed that you're still um, conversing with people. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be much longer, I don't think. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, no no, I've, I've noticed you started wearing a mortarboard in your public appearances. Yeah, um, I've got a really, around in a gown. Yeah, and miraculously, my posture's improved as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've these rods down my back. Um, no, I, I, and it's interesting because I did include the podcast and the work that we've been doing in the application so in a roundabout way you know it's kind of further vindication for the kind of work we're, we're trying to do here that's brilliant um 
you know, so a big part of my background and, and the application, you know, it's, it's a career wide, career long kind of piece. And leisure has been a big part of my discipline kind of research and scholarship. Um, so it was important to bring that to the fore, but also to show that I'm still doing that. I'm still having those conversations and the, and the podcast has been a big part of that. So thank you to you two. You're welcome, Sam. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have got your professorship if it wasn't for the series. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just I mean, that not, bit not that got just the nudge that got me over the line. That's what it was. <laughs> but thank you. But thank you. Wow, it's well, very well deserved. I mean, I just was looking at um, your Twitter feed after you announced it, and literally every comment was like, it's so well deserved. Yes, that um, was very, very overwhelming and humbling. You know, people from all over and people I hadn't realized actually heard about what I do. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, and also on, on LinkedIn as well. Um, I had many, many of my past students reach out. Uh, and I think more than anything, that was that was quite emotional. You know, a lot of people saying, I'm glad I, you know, I was able to experience you as a, a teacher in the early parts of your career. And, you know, I'm only doing what I'm doing because of the work you did with me when I was at Bedford or whatever. And, you know. Great. Absolutely why we do what we do. Oh, all the feelings. Yeah. 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 Why not? Good way to kind of round off the year, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Now, we are talking here about a range of academic milestones. So Kat is at a different phase with this. Um, <laughs> but you've just gone through a really important academic milestone with your work. So can you tell us about it, please? Oh, thanks, Pessia. I was struggling and weeping and gnashing of teeth, but I have finally <laughs> submitted my master's thesis. Um, it has nearly killed me and my family. But um, <laughs> trying trying to do that and my full-time job and be a parent and all the rest of it was certainly a steep learning curve. And uh, I just want to go back to my 22-year-old self when I, I was first offered a master's programme and went, no, no, I'm, I'm just so keen to get into the world of work. <laughs> Keep your master's. I'll come back to that later. What an idiot. Um, it was so much harder doing it now. But yes, it's in. It's done. And proud to say that Serious Leisure does also feature in my thesis. Mm. Um, which inevitably is investigating the impact of the Centre for Music in a shocking mm. turn of events. But um, you can imagine the uh, serious leisure discourse was an important part of, of the literature review. So, yeah, great. Hooray and yay, it's yeah. done. Prosecco Massive was congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what we're currently working on, the three of us, is um, really positioning this work is not only important within the higher education sector, but important for, for those of us, like Sam and I being in, in educational developers, that actually you can't separate mm -hmm. this space from the workspace, because that's mm -hmm. why we have this conversation about serious leisure and leisure work and well-being. So I guess my news is, and um, for those of you who've listened from the very beginning, I shared that this podcast was inspired by me finding a hobby in my middle age um, and getting into improv theater. And I think it was episode three where we talked about my hobby and me getting into improv um, and going on to lessons um, and how much I was enjoying being a learner. And I think I remember, Kat, you said something about performing. And I was like, oh, no, that's, you know, that sounds so far away. 
And currently, I'm a member of two improv groups. Um, and now have had half a dozen performances. Yeah. Some to paying <laughs> audiences. And I'm really enjoying that, but it just feels like, yeah, looking back and listening back, it feels like such a, a big jump, but also that's been so gradual over, over the COVID months when we could, we were only doing improv on Zoom or mm. in, in my garden or in the park. It's really interesting how the podcast charted that journey and how you've then subsequently kind of now embedded that into your professional work as well, which I think oh, is really yes. interesting. It's, it's funny. I'm, we're having this conversation. There's just so much going on at the moment. It's like, oh, yes, of course. I mean, literally was just having a meeting on this with my improvisation skills for teaching team. Um, and somehow within the five minutes between the two meetings, I'd forgotten about it. Um, I think we all need a summer break. Yes. Yeah, so what um, has happened over the last few months or in these couple of years, a year, year now? We started in April 2021. We launched an improvisation skills for teaching program for staff who teach at UE. And it has been amazing. It's been our best evaluated CPD program. Um, we have something like 90% of people who take part say that these workshops are either very or extremely useful um, which is unheard of for a bunch of academics to agree so <laughs> profoundly about anything um, and we've had completely new academics coming to to these workshops who've never done any teaching and they're about to do their first session and we've had people with 25 years of experience and and they've all taken something from it and it's such an interesting piece of work and I'm really enjoying thinking about what improv and improv teaching can teach us about the importance of emotions mm. and in the classroom and for student engagement mm -hmm. to keep my hobby I out remember. of my professional space I remember. and vice versa. Like, These two identities shall never meet. That is... <laughs> That is very clear, and that is my plan, to keep yeah. these completely compartmentalised. Yeah, the irony. <laughs> the irony that I'm doing this because I wanted to distance myself from my work, and now yeah. I'm, it has so profoundly changed me that I need to bring this to my work <laughs> and, and, and to tell others. <laughs> and, and I guess a milestone was that Advanced HE conference last week, Sam, where... Mm. Um, Imogen Palmer, Stephen Brown and I presented or indeed delivered a workshop to the advanced, advanced HE community mm -hmm. based, based on, on this work. So I guess, yeah, this these two weeks is, is the full merger of these identity <laughs> practices. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting that you, you've, you've, you know, as Kat was saying, you started out and going, right, I'm doing this because of how work is making me feel, right? And then... You, you follow that all the way through to how you've just articulated things. And it's like, well, hold on. No, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to, I've let this in. And it's now, you know, we talk about identity. Now it is part of who I am. Um, so it's, it is, it's fascinating to think, you know, you go back all the way back to that first, uh, third episode, sorry. And then, you know, the conversations we've had behind the scenes and just, Kind of being mindful of the the journey that you've been on, and then you're hearing you hearing you talk now, and it's like, well, yeah, okay, this has clearly changed you, but it's also <laughs> giving you a different kind of lens as well. You know, what does matter most for you now? You know, well, that's changed, mm -hmm. and 
you know, it's a, it's giving you a way. And we were talking just before we started, Cat and I, about it's a negotiation, a balance, and you seem to have extended or expanded your toolkit that's allowed you to do that. And I think that's that's really great to hear. I guess the the only milestone I haven't quite reached because I use my Twitter account mostly for professional purposes is to advertise um, a Beansville show <laughs> <laughs> on, on Twitter to, to my mostly professional um, audience that consists, again, mostly of, of UE, UE staff. Or, yeah, final so. barrier right there. Yeah. Final barrier is having a professional colleague uh, be witness um, to my uh, improvising, although Cat was the first one. Go I'm on, gonna Kat. say, I would just like to say that I have a very fond memory of before, you know, when we still had to do performances outside of schlepping up to the Downs to watch an inaugural Beansville performance outside. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. And it actually, it really uh, transformed the way that I saw you as a person. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because... Yeah, for someone at the beginning of their academic career, you guys are uh, very intimidating. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, it turns I'm out laughing you're laughing, and Sam is making a face at this comment. You're a human, you know, a, a, a human being with things that you love to do, and mm -hmm. um, uh, seeing different parts of your personality come out in that improvisation context. Yeah, and I've known Petia for many, many years. <laughs> so you know, this journey for me is quite, you know, because I have Petia of fifteen years ago. Then you got pettier of today, and they are two very different people. <laughs> yes. yes, I was taking life very seriously for 15 years. Very ago. <laughs> seriously, very seriously. There's a whole podcast just in that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, the, the saga of. <laughs> no, it's Ooh. been great. It's been great to, great to see. It's, I, I mean, I'm going to use the word growth. I'm, you know, there is there's growth there, isn't there? The, you know, I think, you know, letting this in and then and freeing freeing yourself to see where it takes you yeah love that and i think i was reflecting on this and i was thinking about covid was an opportunity and for it, it was such a hard thing for everybody and for all of us and yet if it wasn't for covid this mm -hmm. podcast wouldn't exist when COVID struck, I was supposed to have my first kind of student showcase performance. It was going to be a full proper performance to an external audience. And actually, I wasn't ready. And if it wasn't for COVID, I would have been pushed to do these performances before I was ready and I may possibly would have enjoyed them less. Um, whereas COVID forced us to just have rehearsals by ourselves for almost two years so that when we hit the stage we you know we, we kind of killed it in our first performance the audience was just <laughs> laughing constantly um and and i i actually think that this was a blessing for me because i could see myself having a couple of bad experiences on stage and just deciding this is not for me and just falling out out of the the, the equation and, and it's been so interesting how many of our guests COVID in some cases features as an obstacle but in many cases features as a real opportunity for them to engage with a hobby or with their hobby mm -hmm. yeah yeah as a straight up catalyst really and I think because of the re-evaluation that we all have been through going through something as serious as the pandemic um 
I think it just brought into view, didn't it, for so many of us, including our guests, what seems really important, this idea of what you really want to prioritise. And funnily enough, work didn't often feature as number one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once we couldn't leave our houses and it felt like a very scary time. Actually, we talk a lot on our podcast, don't we, about trying to legitimise leisure stories and prioritising leisure. And in a way, COVID forced that issue significantly. Mm didn't it so then without without even being persuaded by convincing arguments and stories many of us just went uh you know what I think I, <laughs> I'm gonna prioritize doing things that I really love as well as everything else I've got to juggle yeah I, I've, ta- I've talked about it you know in, in the in the HE space is you know the learning and teaching space if you like about it being a focusing event I think that extends to life beyond kind of work I think it was a existential focusing event for many people what do I want from all of this what does matter most to me um how do I maintain that because I currently can't and I think we've all had you know we have we've had we've all had similar conversations with ourselves and I think what the great thing about this podcast is you know particularly when in the early stages when we were very much figuring things out um it was a great way of just holding those questions in our, it, it, well, certainly in my head, you know, so we'd have, a, you know, we were having weekly conversations and it was just those weekly check-ins with yourself through others and that kind of perspective the conversation brought and still brings that I think is, 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 is the, for me, the main reason why it's sustained over time. And yeah. I think the part, the part of the message is the medium as well you know in terms of okay well yeah we could have done this in a you know we could have done this in a blog form it wouldn't have had quite as much or the same reach impact but it being long form conversation and audio and you know the and certainly the conversations we've had with with uh, previous speakers who and co- and colleagues who have listened to it and haven't been guests on the show uh, that they've actually, you know, they're going for walks and listening to episodes or they've got it on in their car. And, you know, yeah, yeah you know, that's that's what it's just it's opened up a different means of having a conversation that Leisure Studies has been having for 40 years. Um, but I think it's very much kind of of the time. Yeah. Yeah, so much. And I, I love the podcast format because every time we start an episode, I feel like. Uh, the three of us and our guest or guests, we sort of stand at the edge of the woods and then we stumble on in. And mm. um, so, yeah, we've got we might have a vague sort of map and a compass so that we don't fall straight into a ditch. But it's an adventure every time we have a conversation, which oh, is I love that. I love That's a great it. analogy. You know, yeah. yeah. And so we, we can't the end, see the wood for the trees. Yeah, but, right. then we end up, then, but then we end up through the conversation. We end up seeing working thing, it out yeah. bumping into some things and I have I just love that because it keeps um the whole area so fresh and so interesting and and also so personalized you know because we've heard such mm. different experiences from different people well you know whilst we have these salient themes about what people are doing with their leisure and what the effect of that is mm-hmm. in terms of the sort of secret nuances of people's lives it's an undiscovered country Mm. Uh, it's just such a privilege for us to go and tour around it's like sneaking around in someone's fridge um, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 recognizing that common humanity that we that we share i've, I've absolutely loved it and i and i love mm. this podcast format. i'm glad we've stuck to that because the written form is much more pre-considered and rigid and i feel like you know petia to borrow from 
from from your favorite hobby we've sort of improvised our way into <laughs> yes uh, deepening our understanding <laughs> you know and that's just brilliant and i think it was uh was it mia who was saying that she joined yui as we started the podcast um during covid and that's that's, right. that's how she kind of felt connected into the university and colleagues so 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 yes it, it was it was interesting for me to see the podcast in that way mm -hmm. but also to think about the fact that we started this as a very much an institutional thing um yeah. we we started it within ue with ue colleagues um and then we started expanding into teesite colleagues former students and now we're thinking about expanding this podcast into the wider community um, mm -hmm. of, of, of those who teach in HE. And yet at the same time, I know of people who listen to the podcast who are not in HE, who, who don't work in, in universities or in higher education, mm -hmm. but nonetheless find it really interesting and insightful to think about their leisure journeys through this podcast. Yeah, I think that's that connection I think you would use the word connection, I think is, is something that I feel is, comes through strongly. Um, and, it, and also that kind of validation as well that, that Kat's already talked about, like legitimizing just, just the, the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas, you know, I can't remember in the 17 years prior to starting this uh, podcast in higher ed, and obviously Petty and I, we, we've known each other pretty much that whole time. Um, you know, I taught leisure but the irony of course is we didn't really talk about it in the broad in the broader context heaven forbid Sam, that you were doing any you know because that would well, have meant you weren't working hard enough which, of course which, which was, which was <laughs> always my point of departure it was the hook for me was the easiest way to teach leisure was to get people talking about their leisure right and then you bring the theory then you bring the what you know it was just that was just the best way the most powerful way these are future professionals in tourism and sports and these are leisure industries uh, but what does it actually mean you know what does it mean to them if they can they can understand it through their experience from an experience from there and then be able to articulate that in ways and, and it's that reflexivity um that, that i think leisure I, I spoke about leisure i remember talking at a conference once i think it might even been the leisure studies association conference and oh, yeah. i was talking about um leisure as an edu educational mechanism you know, and, and, and it is that. And you know, I was reading this morning before we, we started the podcast about one of the key things for me that's come out uh, of, of all of the all of the, um, the the conversations we've had. Like thematically, what we're actually talking about is this idea of leisure literacy. And I think that's mm. the you know, that's that's the there's a lack. There's a lack of that kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, and and Petty, we spoke last week at the conference about how staff well-being is almost certainly going to be the next wave of priorities for higher education and, and, and how this, that this conversation becomes paramount. I think COVID has been great because people are having more open conversations about well-being and mental health. Um, but obviously COVID and everything that's happening around us is such an avalanche of stressors. Mm -hmm that it's it's and, and and it's been going on now for 
for so long. And, and I think we talked about, I tend to be a half glass empty for person. And we talked about that almost there is not an immediate hope that something will change. Um, mm. So, you know, in my early teenage years, I, the Berlin Wall fell, um, kind of Eastern European economies crashed, that there was shortages and such like. But there was always the optimism that things would get better. We just need to, make, to, to wait a few years and, and things would improve. But I think at the moment we're, you know, COVID is over, but not. <laughs> we're facing inflation, um, which then may, means there's less likely to be more, more employment um, in terms of institutions, finances. And at the same time, what we do and how we do it has become much more complex. Yeah. And our lives have, 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 we have all experienced life events during, during this time and COVID has exacerbated these life events. So, so yes, I, I'm, I'm afraid that the focus on staff well-being in HE would be there and should be there because it would be hard for everybody. And it is hard for everybody at the moment. Yeah. And that perspective, I guess, um, you, you know, you think about everything that's, that's happening now. Say you take COVID out of it. You know, we never experienced COVID. Would we feel the same way about it as we do? You know, there's a, there's a certain level of fatigue, but also I think there's also there's added perspective. You know, the the, the ongoing conversations about you know um, certainly you know my institutions like ours, where you know where where are you going to work from? You know, so, you know, are you working three days on campus and two days off and, you know, these kind of things. And that in itself, I think, is, is you know, I don't know whether it's a positive because, you know, is there, is there something positive come out of this? And I, I think what it's done is kind of changed or shifted the, the needle a little bit uh, on that. And even in the face of the, all of the chaos that we're facing right now, you know, there, there is that perspective, as I say. I think what's going to be interesting is how institutions are going to grapple with this whole staff well-being thing mm. because I don't think there's any easy answers to that and I think it's interesting you talked about leisure literacy because obviously in a way we, we talk at an individual level we're here with our guests and listeners and think about our individual journeys and perspectives and how we can progress those and support each other but I do wonder how our institutions are going to evolve thinking in this area mm. you know um i mean structurally yeah i mean you, you think about so leisure literacy is something that we wrote about in the book um and it's a broader conception of what we mean by education for leisure i mean the whole idea of educating for leisure is a is a, is a challenging concept at the best of times but you know i don't think it's ever been more required or necessary um, you know, and, and how then, you know, the university space is actually uniquely kind of set up to allow for that, you know, in terms of exploring different identities and finding, you know, finding who you are, moving away from home for the first time and meeting new friends and, and learning new skills and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's also about learning about people's relationship in, a, in essence, learning about their relationship to the world, you know, and the um, and the role that leisure can and does play therein. Yeah, it's really interesting what you said there about um, 
what an opportunity university represents is a unique kind of place and mm. for our students in particular in the lifespan you know yeah because yeah. that whole some of it's challenging isn't it it's like the culture shock and you're leaving home mm. and um and it, and it can be a hard time for some students as they transition but then you have more time and more permission than you've ever had for our young people do you know something that's weird though is when I was looking at um a student engagement center for music you know I have this dream that our students and, and also colleagues you know might come and try stuff for the first time um and this seems to me to be the most difficult thing to accomplish even among the 2000 students we work with the, the vast majority did do music before at some point some point you know and the same when I talk to colleagues um who who give the impression of trying something for the first time but when you dig into it it's like oh well actually I, I you know I did stuff I when I was a teenager yeah, yeah, right yeah. right there's something there you know and um I feel like this is just really interesting I know I've just taken us right from structure back to personal psychology here, but th- this question of how to help people give something a go, you know, we look at our episodes and our guests, mm-hmm. some people have been doing stuff forever. Think about D and D. Yeah. Yeah. They would, they've been doing D and D since what their teens. Yeah. Is, still doing it. Yeah. It's fascinating, yeah. you know, but then our guests with uh, fly fishing, mm-hmm. That was that was new to that life stage, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I just I wonder, you know, from your leisure studies expertise, what what's the skinny on that in terms of how people come to start something new? How likely is it? And what needs to be in place? And then so to link this back to the structural thing, you know, how might we think about how structures can facilitate this <laughs> kind of picking something up for the first time? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, in, in the um I, I guess in the in a leisure discourse or, or literature, it would it's often talked about in terms of the life course, and then there's there's plenty of work out there at leisure in the third age and you know adolescent leisure and um, adulthood or, or parenthood and leisure. So you've got all these different kind of life stages and and how, and the interrelationship then between people and their leisure and, and what what it means at those period at those periods in time and yeah. I think you, you've heard that in just about every conversations we've had you know certainly with the fly fishing it was like well I just hadn't had the time or capacity because of familial commitments or you know the health issues or, or whatever uh yeah. to go to go and do this and actually it hadn't occurred to me until you know I got to this stage in my life where maybe I appreciated a slower pace and or I needed a slower pace. And, and a lot of this is driven by motivation, of course. And um, But it's that they do evolve. You know, the life, it's, it's an evolution of self, isn't it? And it is interleaved then with, you know, the the, the different trajectories that people's life takes, you know. And um, so it's really, the, the literature is actually really interesting on that, particularly Leisure in the Third Age, where people are going, well, I've always wanted to, and then it's and like, now well, I will. Now's and, my moment. And now I will exactly. And 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 then you've got, you know, as you say, you've got other people who are um, so not just in the in the later stages of life, but you know that through like Petty, for example, is a perfect you know example here. I I didn't really go looking for this. Um, I know I needed something, but I didn't know I needed this. So there's an element of kind of exploratory, kind of just just going with the flow you know in terms of okay well i know 
this is a direction I want to go in, but I don't know what I want to do in this space. And um, so there's an element of trying it out. So that cut that whole idea of kind of practicing in rehearsal and exploration. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of what the literature tells us, you know, that the whole idea of life course, you know, le- leisure of course is uh, a bit like a bit, bit like education and learning. Really, it's you know, it's lifelong, but it's also life wide. You know, and we tend to think of education as when we talk about lifelong learning it's like that well okay so it's both time you know it has to be both timely and timeless you know in the, in this in equal measure um leisure doesn't have to be anything <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. it's it's really interesting but the, the but it's inherently interrelated and and kind of um embedded with the idea of learning yeah you know, le- learning is fundamental to it so I think I just think it's it is it's a fast it's it's what drew me in when I first started, you know, reading about it and obviously you know started to research the the, the ideas and the themes within leisure. Um, was that it was like well this is and it, and it, obviously I don't want this to turn into a a, a leisure le- liter- um, <laughs> leisure lecture no yeah, yeah. it's a podcast but these Stop ideas it, professor <laughs> these ideas have been around for forever you know. Um, you know, the, the ledger literature itself draws on think, people like Aristotle and all, you know, all the, you know, those kind of deep thinkers and the philosophy behind it all. So that's what drew me in. It's about ideas and it's all about, you know, how they live a good life, what yeah. that means. Yeah, yeah. What the definition of that really is. I know we're um, we're running out of time, aren't we? But um, I wondered what your thoughts were on when we talk about mechanisms then for mm. doing leisure because obviously a lot of our guests they've just gone ahead and done it haven't they yeah and just said so aha i'm in the third age i'm gonna get my gonna get my blues guitar rolling i'm gonna learn to fly yeah. fish and then um you know uh, petia finding that her a sort of um a, a, a crisis a health crisis then triggered that engagement with improv theater things like that mm-hmm. and then we uh, back in the way back in the first series, we did an episode on social prescribing. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Love that. You know? Yeah. Um, and you raised some really interesting points of discussion there about what happens when you introduce a mechanism like social prescribing, which could be characterised as a type of coercion. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And obviously, the whole point of leisure is that it's uncoerced and what have you. But on the other hand, we know that social prescribing does help people sometimes to cross that threshold where they're, you know, they just might not have the self-efficacy needed to get going and what they want to do. They might just be feeling a bit desperate, but not sure how to, you know, get themselves into a better situation. A long time since we had that episode and I just kind of wanted to revisit this topic with you yeah. um, because social prescribing is now taking off nationwide and we've started something at UE Bristol where students can be social prescribed and the mechanism I would say uh, works in a fairly mixed way for some yeah. students it really helps them engage and they get started and they're going and for others I think that feeling of coercion just smooshes the motivation to come and they don't do it yeah so, it, 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 there is kind of that you know kind of oxymoronic kind of <laughs> you hear the, the word leisure and then prescribing in the same sentence and it's like well right okay but but it kind of i mean in the in the in the u.s in the states they have a whole profession around leisure counseling for example and 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 courses on therapeutic recreation so 
you know, the fact that there is there are these kind of interventionist kind of avenues of work. Um, you, you know, we, we have counselling for for career, we have counselling for well-being and and health. Why not for leisure? In as much as it being a, a point of difference for a lot of people who aren't able to see see or do different. You know, I, I'm I'm stuck in this rut or this routine of casual what could be called casual leisure and it's not fulfilling and I'm it's just really whatever's left over and I don't really have the time or and actually if even if I did have the time I wouldn't know what to do you know and it's and it's about changing the conversation for themselves I guess and I do think that you know prescri- social prescribing is a really interesting concept and I think I always know it's not a great surprise that it's it is taking off the way it is given what we've been through um I do enjoy the 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 tension between that and, and leisure in the in the sense that the, in the, the large part, if you're going to be serious about your leisure, it has to be largely self-determined and self-regulated. If you look at the look at the evidence and, you know, looking to others to direct you is, is an interesting tension there. But if that's how it needs to start off for you, you know, you don't have, like you say, the efficacy, but even if you don't have, the psychological kind of mechanisms yourselves, the, the, those coping strategies or those strategies to think and do different. And just having those comments. I mean, this is all the podcast, it's really, you know. Yeah, it's trying to get that conversation going. It reminds me of the social prescribing being, you know, being the spark or, you know, in in Petia's case, it was kind of her partner's shove through that door in the first place, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's yeah. that kind of thing, isn't it? To get people to try for the first time. Um, yeah, and it's, it's that, I mean, um, so, sorry to go back to it, but I was doing some reading this morning for the um, for the podcast well, it was my know, own work it was, it was my own it was my own work it was my own work so i don't know what that oh it's even better <laughs> yeah yeah no, I what, no, no, nobody else knows what they're talking about so i go back to what i wrote um stroking no, an automobile tassel yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I i now have to fulfill this persona um but it's in, in this it, so it's, it's actually a section of the uh, serious leisure book that uh, bob i wrote we talk about leisure literacy and you know, it's a bit like um, it's the same kind of conversation you have around health literacy or, mm. or those kind of things. Do we really need another literacy? Well, you know, my argument is yes, we do. And it's, it is actually, it is all woven together, actually. You know, so health yeah. literacy and, and everything else. But actually, it's more than all than that. It's it's. Uh, Go on, Sam, quote your own book. No, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's fundamentally... Fundamentally, it's a matter of will. You're talking, Kat, there. You're talking about, you know, having to maybe, you know, having a... I see social prescribing effectively is nudge theory in practice, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's about, it's that will. And, you know, some sometimes people do need a nudge. But then where yeah. there is, you know, that old adage, well, there, where there's a will, there's a way, you know, it's really just building that up in folk. And, 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 understanding you know what makes them tick and and what what is interesting to them what matters most to them and then going from there and you know what i love about all of the conversations we've had with so many different types of people is there has always been that will to do that thing that they're talking about um it, it might have not always been there they've discovered it and then it becomes part of who they are and how they see the world and like Petia, for example, you know, you know, 
started off talking about it as one thing as a as a distraction from work and now all of a sudden I'm bringing mm. it to my work and you know so there's a clear will to be serious about this um and, and I just think you know that's that's an important conversation to have yeah because I think I I want to you know if we think about where we want leisure to help people if some if we think about people who might want might want some help and support these might not be a, a moment for a person where we're thinking their willpower is high, self-efficacy high, <laughs> um, psychological strength high. Not really associating that with the stress and overworked, you know. Mm. So for me, there's a sort of pastoral concern about oh, how can we help people with that? Where there's a lack of that, what might those structures be? And obviously social prescribing is yeah. one, but I'd like to think our podcast might be another in trying to build up people's inspiration and energy enough to just tip people yeah over over the edge yeah. but there's an awareness to that you know it's it's the there's a lot of what we what we're alluding to here it's unconscious you, you know mm-hmm. the the stuff that get, you know because because everything comes so easily to us now you know so i'm thinking of you know and and why casual leisure could arguably be the predominant form of leisure in fact it is isn't it let's be honest you, yeah. you know it's because it is so easily accessible particularly nowadays thinking about the netflix culture and you know, this, that, and the other. And we were only laughing last night about um, we had all the family rounds here uh, to our place and we were, we were laughing and we were talking about um, <laughs> old technology and listening to music. Mm-hmm. The kids were listening to music upstairs on on their, you know, their, their, their dots and they were just telling the, they were asked, play something by and play this and yeah. play that. And then we were talking to them about, well, when we were, you know, it was cassettes. And then the question came, what, what was a, what's a cassette? That conversation. And, 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 then it was, and, and it's, it's really, really interesting, you know, um, how, you know, having those conversations kind of changes things. But it's the, it's the, like I say, going back to that point around awareness, you, you know, you, you, only, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about, you know, having to have that nudge, well, you need to be able to, see, you need to see different in order to be yeah. able to do different. Um, and I think that in, in certainly in the social prescribing space, but I would say just having these conversations, listeners, I would hope who say, mm. well, I'd not thought about that. Actually, that's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe I can give that a go. And I think that's, that's the whole point. Yeah. And yeah. I think be- before Kat and I kind of came up with the idea of a podcast during our conversation at the very, uh, at the very beginning, um, that was what I wanted. I wanted to give opportunities for people to experience different types of, of, of leisure, to have mm-hmm. access to what these are, how they can find them, where they can find them, how they might feel like, um, and, and the importance of coming back to the prescribing element of leisure being a healing mechanism mm-hmm. um, after trauma. Mm-hmm. And and indeed, we were having conversations about moving the podcast for next season in a space where there are stories about how leisure changed my life, mm-hmm. or you know, to not be overly dramatic, how leisure saved my life. Um, so we will be looking for for stories from colleagues out there. Transformational yeah. stories, absolutely. Absolutely, I think. I think. Thank that's, you. That's a better word. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I don't think. I think there's plenty of um, exemplar work already out there. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. actually, we've we've spoken to a few. You know, and I, I think you know, I'm, I'm not going to get overly exa- you know over exaggerate mm-hmm. 
that this, this that your kind of story, but your story was came out of well, I need to do something different, otherwise I'm going to make myself very poorly. Um, you know, so if you hadn't have found what you found, where would you be now? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And I know there was no, a number of other colleagues that we've spoken to who had similar kind of if this doesn't change, something bad's going to happen. Uh, but even on the flip side of that, not being triggered by a negative or potentially negative outcome, but just going, well, actually finding this thing that I wasn't looking for yeah. has changed my outlook on life. And that's, that is transformative. And um, I think that's, I mean, that's always been my in with when I, whether I've been talking about leisure or teaching leisure or both has been, well, it is a window onto the world that is it can be very objective. I, we can look at other people and we can look at what they're doing in terms of activities and this and that and look at it from a very kind of academic standpoint in terms of businesses and this, that and the other. Or we can look at it from a very subjective angle and go, actually, you know, this is your experience. This is your the world that you've created. Um, and fundamentally, just tuning them into their own story. And I think that's, yeah. that's, what's, that, that's what's so powerful is, you know, if it was just work, and that was how we tuned into our story. I think we'd all be dead by 30, you know, you know, there just, there is just more to life, you know, and we were talking just now about what does it mean to live well? What is a good life? Yeah. Uh, these are big ideas, but you know, effectively what we're all striving for and by ignoring leisure and leisure's role, then, you know, what are we really doing? Yeah. 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 Or certainly by diminishing leisure, you know, I think, or shrinking it down into some little yeah. add-on sticker rather yeah. than understanding yeah. it as a core part yeah. of the structure, you know. Or um, just another cog, you yeah. know, that, that needs to be turned, you know. Yeah, something else I must, I must do, that kind of feeling of Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To... Oh, now, and now you're telling me I need, I need to take my ledger seriously. Mm. I mean, come on now. I haven't got right. time to do, you know, if I have five minutes to myself. Well, no, what we're asking you to do is look at the whole thing mm. and go okay is this working yeah. and then yeah. you know what does matter most to me you know and then it you know we were just talking about the life course and depending where you are in that life course it's going to be different yeah and i think that came loud and clear where depending of who you are where you are what's around you what's in front of you um what kind you know privilege you have or you don't Mm -hmm. then your 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 leisure activities would be would be different right i'm gonna i'm just gonna cut across our conversation a little bit now because petia as the host of the podcast mm -hmm. i think we need to hear your favorite episode so far okay Ooh. and and it's been so interesting to get that insight but also to think about how people's identities really affect what they do. And, and I've been thinking in preparation for this, which one is my favorite episode? And it's very difficult. It's like, oh, so they're all my children. I can't choose a favorite one. Um, but um, I, I, I really, and I tweeted about this, I really felt the most wholesome episode was the bees, bugs, and growing things. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, because there was something there about the leisure changes your set you, but also it was from the prism of how can I change and influence my environment for the better. 
it was also such a lovely example that it can't be just the thing that's in front of you. And if that means it's a, it's a tiny patch of, of land in your back garden, there is still a whole world that can open up. That a, a, a tiny patch of land, in, in, and even land is an over-exaggeration in your back garden, can open up conversations with neighbors and changing your street and feeling like you're contributing even to the planet in the tiniest but most wholesome way. Yeah. Um, and also that you can do this at the beginning of your life and you can create those memories in your children and then you can have somebody who, who is going into, into retirement reflecting on their experience as a child in relation to nature and maybe making an even bigger in terms of just simply size impact on, on environment around you. Um, and there was just something there about making the world better for, for you yeah. and for, for the world around you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really uplifting. Come on then, Prof. What was your fave? Well, <laughs> is this what you're calling Sam from now on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the derogatory sense. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely loved that episode as well. I mean, it was certainly up in there, up there in my top three. But I did love the jazz and the business school one, um, <laughs> probably because I know Noel really well and I know mm -hmm. how passionate he is. Uh, but also, I was in awe of both of them, both of our, you know, who were, who were, you know, they could speak, they could, they could walk the talk, you know. Uh, but then. It was just the, we got into a space with that one where I don't think we'd quite got into before. So the whole idea of expression and the creative kind of, um, we, obviously we've talked about creativity quite a bit, but, you know, the creative journey and the creative, I would say, habit that they both have. And, um, and I love the fact, I just love the fact, it blew my mind that they knew each other as well. And they knew each other not, <laughs> yeah. not, not it's a small for, world. <laughs> but they knew each other not because of their discipline, but because they love it. was through the, through the channel of business, the, the business kind of education realm, but they connected over their love of music. And it was just like, right. That, well, that, that just is too profound for words, but mm. um, I, I love that just, but well, also because we actually had them play some stuff. Which yes. was which which was absolutely unbelievable. And I've I've heard Noel play before, and you know he is just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, musician. Uh, and he lives and breathes it. And you know he's done his PhD when his PhD is on the jazz as a metaphor for learning, and you know this, that, and the other. And it's just like right, okay, that's absolutely my bag. But um, <laughs> but it was it was about for me fundamentally how you know it the, the idea of mastery came up. You know, and the 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 you know all all the good stuff in terms of you know that tension in leisure where of course it should just come easily. Well, no, actually this hasn't come easy. You know, the mastery, the perseverance, mm. the significant personal effort. Uh, you know, but it was really just them finding, having found their own space for yeah. for self expression, um, and then how I, I just felt how they were able to talk about that was, I think, one of the best in terms of just seeing behind the curtain a little bit, because it could quite easily, that episode have been, well, 
I'm never going to be able to resonate with that. You know, that, that, is, <laughs> that is just way, it's way out there. But no, yeah. they, they, they were able to articulate in such a way that, you know, well, maybe, I, maybe I will give that yeah. a go. Yeah, yeah maybe when this professor retires, he'll be t- picking up the guitar. Oh, I don't know. But my son, my son has started, uh, well, he's had, a, he's had an electric guitar, which he bought himself for quite some time mm. uh but it, because of covid we we did online stuff and it was it was okay and you know i i've dabbled but i'm not I, i'm not good enough to mm. be able to sit next to him and teach him anything you need you need to know your stuff and he, for the last maybe two or three months he's been going to lessons and you, you know it's he's walking around the house with his guitar around his neck you know <laughs> I and love it, this. yeah, I love yeah it's, it's absolutely you know he's in the garden walking around talking to his brother or me or, or his mom and just playing random stuff that he's learning and it you know and it's like okay but then you know you listen Sorry, to this Noel. is one I, I need to interrupt and just tell the audience that cat's face is almost covered in tears yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he's wonderful he's wonderful it. It is wonderful until you want some quiet time, and he comes, <laughs> he comes in with his electric guitar and amp. They go, I've, I've just made this up. I want to show you, but I was like, I love it. But then the reason I bring it up is because that's the, that was Noel's story. Mostly, he was brought up with that, you know, and mm. yeah, love love it, love it, love everything about it. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I mean, the, the, having that oh, that live recording of the music, I just literally was counting my blessings. It was, mm. it was a moment I will remember for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Cat. Well, my favourite. This is tricky, really, because as a sort of music nerd, I, I feel like yeah. I should be listing the music episodes, like the first no. magic of music and singing <laughs> and things like that. And then obviously the jazz one that Sam was just talking about. So many musicy things. But do you know, the weird thing is my, my actual favourite one, uh, quite randomly, was our Dungeons and Dragons episode. Oh. Um, I think because, in a way, because music for me occupies such a blurry space between work and leisure um and more often work I think actually these days Mm. um and so I'm so often thinking about advocacy for music activity and you know up to my eyeballs in the research I sort of need a break from it so on the other hand this this D&D episode I absolutely loved it. And we now, in my family, we D&D every weekend. So wow. I sit down and play Dungeons & Dragons with my partner and our two boys. And it's really connected us. I was just, I was actually just emotionally really moved by this story mm. of like, um, of male friendship in particular that I guess we're talking about, which can be so hard to come by in adult life. I know my partner mm. will say this to me, you know, trying to have like peers, male peers in midlife seems to be, quite difficult and I was really touched by the way that D&D had brought this community together and had sustained these friendships for years I just thought yeah. that was amazing and inside I thought oh I'd love to be able to give that gift on to my children for them mm-hmm. to enjoy this so that you know I've got two boys that they would also have something they could draw on if they wanted to, although I'm now making it sound strategic, like some kind of parenting intervention. It's not that. <laughs> I, I was genuinely inspired and it made me want to play more. And mm. we have had such laughter in our house, just sitting down, <laughs> inventing these crazy stories together. Um, me and my dad are going to write a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Mm. We're going on a big family holiday with 15 of us. 
um, and use it as a bonding mechanism. Oh, and amazing. It was really, really good. And so I think it struck me because it was unanticipated. I was really ambushed by this completely kind of unknown thing. I dipped a toe in the water at the time. And in this way, the podcast really did, nudge theory-wise, push me into a completely different space with it. So It, it was it. interesting because in my head, I was betting that you would say the poetry episode. That was another example where, I mean, we've, we've had discussions where some of the hobbies on our podcast are expensive, just simply mm. expensive things to engage with. Um, and there are some hobbies that are, I, 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 I don't know how to use, what word to use, but just allow us to span boundaries and connect communities and, and can have also profound personal impact on ourselves and also to, to reach and share with others how horrid life can be. Mm. Um, and to find a way, of, of, a way of kind of supporting and co connecting, connecting with others through our hobby. Um, and also, of course, we had our first international guest, <laughs> which, which, was, uh, which was also um, uh, great. And, and, I, and I remember Julia and I talking about the, uh, what our numbers looking and who, 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 is, um, who is listening. And so, so suddenly we're having a huge spike of listeners um, in, in Nigeria listening to, to this podcast. Um, but I think that, that for me um, was also great because we had an opportunity to listen to people's poetry. Um, mm. So the music, the, the episode that Sam talked about and that we actually can get a glimpse into what people do because we had that sample, what, um, what, what it feels like. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think with Kat, you've seen that sample of what it looks like in your life because you're doing Dungeons and Dragons with, with your family, but just to be able to fully share with, with the audience what it is that we're talking about and share with, with an international audience and also speak to the moment of our times and the difficulties and challenges um, um, globally that, that, that we are facing uh, was also, I think, an important thing to attend to. Yeah, I think you're right. And we can, and I, I, we, I, I guess say that would have been harder with horses and sheep, which was another favourite episode of mine. <laughs> yeah, bring but the horse on. Couldn't bring the horse on the show, sadly. <laughs> what a segment talking about profound <laughs> societal challenges and cat go and moves on to. <laughs> my, my apologies. I uh, just couldn't resist. <laughs> um, so, talking of laughter, this is um, the first episode where we've, we've decided to keep our mics on because we're recording this on, on Zoom and we are in our respective houses. Um, so we don't know what the, um, what the recording would sound like. Uh, but just to finish us on a, on a high note, um, I've, um, we reached this uh, conclusion because um, what, as a backup, we always record our contributions on our mobile phones to, to make sure that no audio is, is lost. And sometimes when um, I listen to, to my recording, there would be lots of silences where Sam and Kat would talk or our guests. And then there would be um, quite a scary cackle, <laughs> like this. <laughs> can, you, can you play that again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a louder one coming. Uh, that's like 
something out of a horror movie. Really. Yeah, it's just like, I, I can also do a really good scary laughter as part of my improv. Um, um, so, so, so we decided to try this so that it, the recording feels livelier for those of you who are listening. Um, we hope that it's paid off. We're about to <laughs> stop recording and, and see where we go. I think it was just so lovely to reflect on on our serious leisure podcast journey. Thank you both for your time. Um, I hope uh, to, well, to see you soon when we start recording uh, our next episodes. For our listeners, um, after this episode, you will have the privilege to listen to our conversations with uh, no other th than uh, Professor Bob Stebbins um, about his journey through serious leisure and how the serious leisure concept evolved um, through, the, through the decades and through um, Bob's work and, and later through um, um, somewhat younger, but not that young colleagues like uh, Professor Sam Elkington. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we'll leave it here. Did I miss anything that we need to, to talk or mention to, to our audience? Oh, I think we've I think we've covered it all. You've got, you should have a great preview now. If, if this is the first episode you've heard of the Serious Leisure podcast, yes, absolutely. Go back, listen to those episodes that we've highlighted. Yeah, everything from sheep least. to jazz. You, you must. <laughs> absolutely right. Don't get it anywhere else, folks. You won't get it anywhere else. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Sam. Thank you, Cad. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we hope to hear from you again. We hope that you are able to hear from us again sometime soon. <laughs> okay, before I muddle this further, goodbye, everyone. Have a, have a lovely summer. <laughs>